and action. <laughs> Welcome to the first ever episode of the Drive-In Podcast featuring Nez, Dr. O, and Ricky Flicks, bringing you the latest in movie news, reviews, and movie theater reviews, as well as the hottest takes. On oh, I got I to gotta start that over, actually. I gotta start that over. I forgot. Yeah, no worries. I, I said I had two ands in there. <laughs> the hottest. I'm trying to sound official here. All right. Movie yeah. and theater reviews, hottest and bringing you the hottest takes in Hollywood. Movie news reviews and the in hottest. Hollywood. We're in Connecticut. <laughs> in Hollywood. <laughs> about Hollywood. I don't know. I could say about. Giving Hollywood. you all the inside scoop. I'm just gonna say on the internet. From the from the ground of Hollywood. Yeah. On the internet. From the Hollywood Hills. <laughs> all right. Here we go. <laughs> wow, that was really loud. Three, two, one. Dodgeball. Welcome to the first ever episode of the Drive In Pod featuring Nez. Dr. O and Ricky Flicks bring you the latest in movie news, reviews, and the hottest takes on the internet. Today we're going to talk and review The King of Staten Island, talk about the latest developments in the DCEU, and debut some fresh and brand new segments as it is our first ever episode of the Drive-In Podcast. So please use the restrooms now, turn your cell phones off, and get ready for the first ever episode of the Drive-In Pie. Guys, I, I think that it's only right if we all go around the table here, uh, the metaphorical table, because we're all actually uh, far apart from each other, uh, and introduce ourselves. Tell, tell us, you know, why you like movies or why you got into this and uh you know um i guess we'll start with you dr o um tell us a little bit about yourself and uh you know introduce yourself to our listeners all right thanks nez um yeah i'm dr o all right um you can find me and catch me on the blog uh for the foreseeable future if you've seen our blog uh you can find my different blog series that i got uh i have uh the quarantine trials where i'm basically reviewing movies off a bucket list poster I have that my parents gave me for Christmas. I got Doc Talk where uh, I just released actually um, the next edition of the series where I discussed Lance, right? The 30 for 30 that came out after uh, The Last Dance. Uh, I have the Unrewatchables where I'm basically reviewing movies that are not, are not necessarily bad, but they're just movies that uh, I don't think you can watch more than once. So definitely check out that series. Uh, but thanks for the introduction, Nez, and I'm buzzing. Let's kick it over to Ricky Flex. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Doc. How we doing, guys? How we doing? Excited. Very excited to bring you the first episode of the Drive-In Podcast. And it's been an honor, it's been an honor sitting with you boys, uh, just talking movies throughout our friendship. But now we get to bring it to the people. Um, personally, I don't like to overcomplicate movies. I like to, I've been watching them all my life. But I personally just like to watch them and then just give my review on them whether in blog or now podcast and I'm more behind the scenes. I'm into behind the scenes screenwriting and different aspects of like actual production of the movie. So I can help with that aspect when I write blogs and now with the podcast over you, Ness. 
Awesome. Thanks, Ricky Flicks. And uh, just, I don't know if you guys, if this is okay for me to say, but Ricky Flicks and Dr. O are uh, siblings. Um, and they grew up in a household that is very, very um, influenced, I'd say, by pop culture. Maybe not influenced, but very into pop culture and movies as it is. Um, so, you know, they're very, they have a wealth of knowledge when it comes to movies uh, dating back to, you know, the 60s. You know, they, they've, they've seen a, a, their fair share of movies. And oftentimes I am scolded by them uh, for having not seen um, certain movies. Goodfellas, for example, I have not seen yet. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, let me just introduce myself here. I am Nez. Um, got my start in this industry on uh, my former Saturday radio show, The Weekend Wise Guys, on 1077. Um, actually, I my partner was Dr. O on that show. We we took that on together. Um, got my start there. I honestly, I love to talk. I I love movies as much as the next guy. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm some sort of, you know, I have a wealth of knowledge, especially compared to these two. Um, but I do think I, I, you know, um, I do understand them pretty well. Um, and, uh, you yeah, know, I'm just excited to, to take this journey and really start, uh, start doing these podcasts and, and pumping these babies out. What do you say? Oh yeah. We're here. Let's go. Let's get so into it. So if you don't already follow us, follow us on Instagram at underscore the drive-in pod, um, Twitter at the drive-in pod or YouTube, the drive-in pod. You can just look that up. Um, you can also find our blogs at the driveinpod.com. Uh, Dr. O is pumping at least one to two out on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. He's an absolute king and an absolute savage when it comes to pumping these out. Uh, it's also incredibly great content. It's hilarious. It's funny. Uh, I strongly recommend it. The driveinpod.com. Go check it out. Um, and let's just get this episode started. Uh, let's start out with the checkup with Dr. O. Um, this is a, a brand new segment and it's going to be a weekly segment where Dr. O basically gives us the week's news in um, everything movies, pop culture, uh, and TV. Um, he's just going to go over you know, a couple headlines. We're going to give a couple takes and whatnot, um, but mostly just review some uh, interesting happenings across Hollywood. So uh, without further ado, go ahead, Dr. O. All right, first ever checkup, boys, with Dr. O. Uh, we had a lot of different casting news this week, okay? And uh, we have the biggest story that came out yesterday. Uh, we have Michael Keaton returning to the role of Batman. He's set to reprise his role as the Cape Crusader in the DC Extended Universe's next Flash movie, uh, which is due out in 2022. Uh, after nearly 30 years, Keaton's in talks to return to the role of Batman to appear alongside Ezra Miller in The Flash. The rap has learned exclusively. Talks with Michael Keaton are in the very early stages. It is far from a sure thing. It could go either way. No, de- no details are currently available about how big or small the role is. Boys, what do we think? Very interesting. Very, very interesting. Going from the MCU to the possibly the DCEU, very interesting also confusing i i'm confused by it to be honest <laughs> at first with flashpoint i was thinking that we had walking dead uh what's his name i can't think of it off the top of my head ne- um uh, uh, i was gonna say negan jeffrey d morgan yeah ne- jeffrey d morgan thank you thank you dr o jeffrey d morgan who i'm a big fan of but now we got michael keaton michael keaton if i see him in a batman suit i will i'll flip out i might walk out of the theater when i see it He's 65, 65 years old. This yeah. man should not be in a Batman suit. Hopefully, it would just be in a mentorship role. But with the new movie with Robert Pattinson coming out next year with Matt Reeves, I, 
I'm just confused. I think that's everybody, but I mean, I think, I think a lot of us are really confused, um, but it's doing exactly what it's meant to do, which is get us to talk about the DCEU. Um, It's very hard to to, to Mm. speak positively about it, you know, considering all the things that have happened with the DCEU uh, and just the poor way that they were actually, they rolled out justice league and all, and you know, the, the really short and small buildup that they had. Um, but this is definitely interesting. I'm actually very excited about it personally. I think it could be a very cool uh, wrinkle that they add in. I don't think it's going to be huge, but it is going to uh, sell tickets and it's going to generate headlines as it is. It made it onto the checkup with Dr. O and that's when you know you made it in this industry, even though this is the first time it ever happened. Um, but, you know, full disclosure, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to see Michael Keaton back um, as Batman. I think he will play an older version of him who's pretty much retired um and yeah like i said i think it's going to be a a pretty cool addition to dceu which uh, has been rather dry to date i think it's it's good not great news um obviously you're not having an affleck return he's already hung hung up the cape and cal you have battinson right that's going to be coming next year and it's separate from the whole dceu i kind of find this i found this casting to be more of a way to somehow bring a Batman into the DCEU, right? Because there's a lot of stuff going around, a lot of rumors that this new Flash movie is going to be based on what uh, Ricky Flicks mentioned earlier, which is something called Flash, uh, Flashpoint, which is where they introduce the DC world to the multiverse. It's almost cheating a little bit. It's where you have like, uh, you can have Batman with Batman and Batman Returns with Michael Keaton somehow enter the DCEU. If they wanted to, you could have uh, the DC shows that are on the CW. I pray they don't do this, but they can have them enter the DCEU. Okay, so that's kind of, it's kind of a wild thing they, they, that they're constructing there. But I think it's kind of an excuse just to use Batman, right? And it's obviously a lot of fan service with Keaton back in, uh, in the role. Uh, I know I just got HBO Max, and literally the first thing I watched was Batman 1989 with him and Nicholson going at it. And I'm, I'm pumped to have him back. Like, he's a great Bruce Wayne, in my opinion, and I know a lot of fans are just, like, happy to have him back in the Cape and Cal. I think I – don't, I don't particularly agree with you with great Batman. I know it I might be a hot Bruce take. Wayne. Good, yes, I agree. As you in, say, you did say great Bruce Bruce Wayne and not oh, okay, okay, okay. It's a difference. Good clarification. I don't think he looks the part, but he did have the right mannerisms. He had the he had the right suave, you know. He had the he had the right movements, and he had the right. He always knew what to say. Yeah, yeah. I, it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I know. I'm sure he's going to be introduced as his as well. His return's going to be talked about at DC Fandom, which is coming out. Uh, coming up August 22nd and it's gonna be a huge 24-hour virtual experience and I know that any movie fan will be paying close attention It basically serves as the comic-con for this year but only obviously uh, being devoted to DC movies we also had more casting news this week Uh, we had Mike Tyson biopic right it's being it's moving forward with Jamie Foxx set to play the iconic boxer right according to CNN Oscar winning actor Jamie Foxx has confirmed that he will play Mike Tyson in an upcoming biopic about the life of the American former heavyweight boxer casting for the highly anticipated film with Fox in the lead role was first announced in 2014 but after a six-year hiatus there had been some doubts about whether it would be made boys it's happening what do we think yeah, I'm really excited. Um, I think 
Jamie Foxx is extremely talented, uh, about as talented as you can get in terms of a person um, in Hollywood. He, he's one of the most talented that, that there is. Um, his impressions are second to none. I've seen him on the radio impersonating multiple people, including Mike Tyson. And um, it's like an expert level. It's like, it's like a mastery of, of being able to do an impression. So him doing a biopic based on a true story of somebody who actually lived a life, like an actual person that you can actually impersonate in Hollywood. Um, I think it's going to be perfect. He's going to be a perfect fit. He has to get absolutely yoked to Tyson level, which is probably going to be the biggest challenge for him. Um, because I think the acting is going to come very easily as it almost always does for Jamie. Um, because I think personally, I think very highly of him. I think he's so talented. I think he's going to absolutely crush this role. Um, and I think just one more thing. Uh, I, if you've seen, they did have something on the radio where he was on the radio and he basically described the opening scene and it just like sounds magical, like, like Mm -hmm. artistic perfection, or maybe that's too much, but it sounds, it sounds it got me excited. It got me. I wanted to get up out of my seat in the theater and I wasn't even watching the movie yet. So, yeah. So we posted that on the drive in, uh, drive ins Instagram. He even like, uh, hints at the voice that he's going to use. And as you said, he's a master impersonator. Uh, he's one of the greatest talents in Hollywood. The man is a Renaissance man. He can, well, he can sing, he can do stand up comedy. He can act. If you haven't seen Ray, uh, it's his bio- biopic that was, uh, from 2004, he won the best, uh, best actor. Uh, for, uh, I forgot that he did a biopic talks. before. Yep. Yeah. And he's just a master at impersonations. And I think he's going to nail the voice. He's already hinted at it. I think he kind of looks like him too. If you check out, mm. uh, just look at the face and then you look at his hair. I think he can have that little slice in the corner, almost like at the, where you cut it off the fade. I think he has that sometimes. It literally looks like Mike Tyson, but you're right. It's all going to come down to how his body looks because Mike Tyson is basically the Hulk. And I don't know if you guys have seen recently. Have you seen his like uh, recent training videos? Oh, he's an animal. Yeah. Yoked. He's ridiculous. Yeah. He, he so, looks and- like he could compete at the heavyweight level right now. Yeah. Um, but, um, oh, I believe it was 50 Cent actually today posted a picture. It was like a photoshopped uh, picture of Jamie Foxx's face on Mike Tyson's body. And it looked, mm-hmm. it looked pretty natural. Whoever did the Photoshop obviously was very talented. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited about this. Yeah. Uh, Ricky, what do you think? Yeah, I, I definitely don't want to repeat what you guys already said. Uber talented. He can sing, stand-up comedy. Looks like him, you know. But I am just wondering how far they're going to take this in this biopic. They're going to start probably when he was a kid, and then how far are they going to go? Are they going to go to 2020? Or are they going to stop in the mid-90s? Like, how far are they going to go? He's are they going to go? Oh, I was going to go continue, uh, Ricky Flex. I, I, I'm, I think it will be interesting to see, oh, do they see, like, midlife crisis they see they go into the hangover is jamie fox gonna sing sing like impersonate mike tyson singing i i'm super excited for this movie group both of you is gonna kill it but I, that's what i'm wondering how far are they gonna go with this and what parts are they are they and are they not gonna get into dude he's had a such a tumultuous life like they don't you can't cover everything and i even mentioned this in a blog mm. i wrote are they going – it would almost suit better to do like a series. Like not a series, but like one like season. Like a, a – yeah. Yeah, or even a documentary because I, I even wrote in my blog, I said like three things I want to see. You have to include his childhood because apparently, right, he's been, he was arrested 38 times yes. by the time he was 13. 38. Oh, my God. That's a movie I, in itself. He yeah. was just absolute re- – he was reckless as a child, and then apparently his first ever fight – like 
not in a boxing ring was when this bully who was like three or four years older ripped off the head of his pigeon and then he just God. lost it. And then he just beat the crap out of this guy. Like, and then you have like the whole Vander Holyfield rivalry biting mm-hmm. off his ear. That's like the scene that I got to see. There's just mm-hmm. so much we can, that they can dive into. I don't know how it's, it's going to be less than four hours long. This is going to be really cool because it, it's not going to be traditional in the sense of, you know, of Hollywood and it being very glorifying and, 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 you know, this guy is like a saint and you know, it's going to be almost like he's going to be almost like an anti-hero and that's kind of what he is in society now um that being said you know we all love and adore mike tyson of today i think he's actually really grown as a person and he's matured and become uh, actually a really amazing person he advocates for a lot of really great things throughout his career he wasn't always the best guy and he did some pretty awful things he has some pretty epic crazy psychotic rants after wins he had, he got the tattoo to delay the fight. Like he bit somebody's ear. There's so many crazy happenings that are going to contribute to this movie. I'm very interested in seeing how they frame Mike Tyson as a, you know, as who he is, which is basically, you know, a very flawed person as most people are. Um, but you know, in order to come out with a, a really good movie, traditionally it's you're, you're following the main character and they're, they're a good person, you know, or, or, um, you're really rooting for them in terms of, you know, you feel like they're a great guy or, or something like, so I just think it'll be very interesting to follow along there uh, and see how they, how they portray him and, and, you know, make it interesting. Um, I don't think it's hard to make Mike Tyson's life interesting. I just think, um, yeah. you know, for Hollywood and, you know, for the general consumer, uh, I'm, I'm definitely interested in seeing how that um, plays out. Yeah, yeah, so th- that's just so much that you can pack in there. We haven't even brought up the fact that he went to prison for three years and was sentenced for six, and he comes back and takes the belt again. Just absolutely wild stories. That we, like, we have Tyson after prison is like another animal. Like, that's yeah. crazy. We could sit here and talk about Tyson all day. I, let me just stop. Right yeah, there. no, let, let's move on to the next casting news story that came out this week. And Ricky Flicks actually knows a bunch about this next story as he blogged about it earlier. But Michael Mann, the director, is moving forward with Enzo Ferrari Passion Project, which will be a biopic starring Hugh Jackman. So announced this weekend, Academy Award-nominated director uh, of Heat and Collateral and The Insider, a bunch of hits, will start production soon on his highly anticipated Ferrari biopic. An Academy Award nominee, Hugh Jackman, is in discussions to stars the racing icon Enzo Ferrari. Ferrari will be set in the summer of 57 when all the dynamic forces in Enzo Ferrari's life collide. The race car company he and his wife, Laura, built is going broke. Their tempestuous uh, marriage has already suffered the death of their son, Dino, and Ferrari's uh, other son, 12-year-old Piero. The product of a wartime romance now knows now wants to know uh, his place in the world. Enzo boldly rolls the dice uh, for all their futures on one, one race, a thousand miles across Italy, the brutal infamous it's going to be harder to pronounce this, but the 1957 Mille Miglia. Okay, boys. What do you think about this, Ricky Flex? You wrote about it. <laughs> Stumbled through that a little bit, but I respect it because that was definitely difficult. That was not easy. I, I, I practiced reading that before, too. I, I looked up how to say it. I'm like, I'm Italian, so it's kind of embarrassing. I couldn't get it, but uh-huh. it's the best I could do. Enzo Ferrari. Enzo Ferrari. Rick, Flex, why don't you but, take this one? Yeah, sure. So... Jamie Foxx playing Mike Tyson, it's hard to follow that up, but this comes pretty close for me. Uh, Hugh Jackman playing Enzo Ferrari is something that I never thought I would see, and I can't wait. I think everyone knows that Hugh Jackman, he's kind of an entertainer, you know? He can sing, like similar to Jamie Foxx, he can sing, he can dance, he's 
he could do stand up probably as you know from the oscars and when he did the hosted the oscars he had probably the greatest intro of all time like the man is pure entertainment and he's been nominated for one oscar for um les mes and nothing really else and this could be the coming out party for a string for a, a huge Jackman string of performances he's stray away from those entertainment type roles like he did the greatest showman in Les Mis and and he's trying to go towards more the prominent actor a-list actor that he is as you saw in Bad Education Eddie the Eagle and so on so this could be the start of the Hugh Jackman string of performances that gets him in that upper tier of other a-list actors possibly the Leo category so I'm really excited and Enzo Ferrari not many Americans know that this man is an icon of icons. This man in Italy is known as literally the icon of cars in Europe. And really, he's also a mysterious figure. He has a lot of flaws in his life. And 1957, like Ferrari has gone bankrupt. And I think a lot of people here are listening have seen Ford versus Ferrari. And that's based in the early to mid 60s. And Ferrari was still going bankrupt. So I'm interested to see the, where this movie goes with this bankruptcy with Ferrari, as we all know from Ford versus Ferrari, that they continue that. And the last thing I'll just touch upon here is that Michael Mann was long attached to direct Ford vs. Ferrari, which people did not realize before James Mangold took the, th- the took the throne on that one. And he took a step back, became an executive producer. He let Mangold go with his vision. And Mang- uh, Michael Mann now, this is his time to show his real strong passion for this time period, for Ferrari and cars. And I think he's going to kill it with his passion project. I always viewed like, I'm a Hugh Jackman fan. I don't. I like him. I don't love him. I always felt like he didn't rise to the occasion for most of his roles. Like he was great in Logan, but I think he's overrated to be honest. Like I like other than Logan, I never saw Les Mis. I know he's a great singer. He's super talented, but he never really lived up to the hype, dude. He's like I would like almost compare him like NFL comparison, like Odell Beckham a little bit. Uh, not in the fact that he's like a distraction to his team or anything like that. But the fact that he hasn't really won anything, but he kind of gets hailed as like this all time talent. Like I love Logan, but other than that, man, I I really don't see him in that A-list category. What do you, what do you think does? I think Odell Beckham is a weird comparison. I don't know. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, Odell Beckham came out of the gate very, very hot. So like, I'm thinking like, you know, you would have to compare him to an actor that basically, yeah, but put on like an all-time performance and made like one of the greatest catches of all time. So maybe put like had one of the you know greatest roles of all time or yeah, performances. That's a great that's Logan. Logan. It won it. What it was nominated for an Oscar? It's pretty deep into his career. Anyways, I'll I'll I'll, I'll I'm gonna, I'm gonna let let that go. Uh, I'm definitely interested in this. I think it's very rare where you do find a you know a project or two movies coming out in such a short period of time. Um, revolving around almost a similar story, at least, or, or, at, you know, main um, subject in terms of, you know, just Ferrari or Enzo Ferrari, um, when Ford, just, Ford versus Ferrari just came out. And then it also being tied to, you know, the same person, um, whether it's directing or executive producing. So uh, I think that's very interesting. I'm, I'm interested to, see, to hear more about it. You know, modern Hollywood, we're going to know the entire plot to the story, be- you know, before, um, opening night anyways so uh, i'm excited um and definitely interested in you know hearing further developments about it all right so that uh, does it for the checkup uh for this episode a lot of casting news won't always be like this that's kind of what we got slammed with this week 
and that's just uh, the way it goes. So, Nez, what do we got next? So, next, um, we just got a new Judd Apatow movie, uh, The King of Staten Island, that came out during quarantine in almost, um, you know, a weird way that I've never really experienced, um, you know, at least a movie of this scale. And it's not like a, you know, Return of the King scale. I'm just saying um, a movie that we know probably would have done pretty well in the box office um, coming out in, you know, streaming only and on demand only. Um, It's something that we're definitely seeing more and more of uh, as, you know, technology begins to advance and more and more people are getting used to, um, I guess, just streaming as, as, as a whole and kind of shying away from the box office and movie theaters as a whole Um, here at, the drive-in podcast we strive to bring movie theaters back we're bringing the culture of movie theaters back uh, in the future stay tuned because we're going to be doing movie theater reviews um but that being said guys um let's all just have a brief discussion let's talk about um you know our spoiler free review of the king of staten island um so you know whoever wants to go first go ahead um and you know go with your review rick if you want to if you want to go ahead and take this actually yeah sure so just first thoughts coming after watching the movie for me personally. Number one, loved the movie. I thought it was very well put together, very long. I thought it was after an hour and a half, I thought it was going to be over, but it ended up going for another 40 minutes. But I really loved the movie. Really, When it kicked into gear, it really did kick into gear. And I think that plays a huge part into Pete Davidson's uh, great acting role as basically himself and this is basically an autobiography of or a biography of himself and i thought he did a terrific job and i think who kind of stole the show from him a little bit though was bill burr bill burr maybe a little oscar buzz maybe maybe a little but he was phenomenal (laughs) in this movie he was phenomenal in this movie i was happily surprised because last thing i saw him in other than stand-up was the mandalorian in one of the one of those episodes and i hated him in it and I'm a huge Bill Bear fan, but I, I can't believe you didn't him. like him in The Mandalorian. I hated actually really, him. I thought he was him. awful. I, li- I liked him too. I was. No, a fan. I enjoyed him. I, I he's coming he back season two. By the way. Interesting. Hopefully, he's gained some experience from this movie and will do better. But wow, just to wrap up, really long movie, but definitely worth a watch. And I guess the last thing I'll say here is that the tone was a little off. At first, I thought it was going to be a comedy, but with Pete. Uh, Pete Davidson, his name in the movie Scott, with his dad dying, it seemed more of a drama. And I don't really mind having having it either be a drama or a comedy, but I thought the tone was just off the entire movie. I don't think it took away from how good it was, but I think it took away the potential of how good it could, how much better it could have been. Mm. I don't. I, when I think about this movie, I know we talked about it off camera and off off the record, and we talked about like the type of movies Apatow has been involved in, especially early on in his career, uh, not going all the way back to his first movie, Heavyweights, bonafide classic, by the way. But, like, we're talking about the Anchormans, Pineapple Express, uh, Superbad, all those type, like, like, I don't want to say slapstick, but there's Laugh Fest. When I thought about this movie, it actually resembles some recent projects Apatow has done where he does have that problem where he confuses his tone. So, like, I'm thinking of Funny People, with uh sandler okay and rogan that one really had a messed up tone as well it was like that dramedy style uh movie i just watched recently one of apatow's best in my opinion the big sick which is similar type of story where it's based on a young comedian a true story and the big sick they focus on kumail nanjiani this one they talk about pete davidson but they also strike that tough boundary between drama uh 
I was about to say dramedy, drama, and, drama and comedy. So the, I th- I agree with your take on the tone, but I thought the best acting came from Davidson here. This was all him. This is his story, and he should have been the best actor. And I think this is like going to open new opportunities for him personally. Yeah, for so I would say that for me, it felt less like a Judd Apatow movie, and I guess that's what I was expecting. Or I was expecting a Judd Apatow movie, but it felt less like a Judd Apatow movie and more like a Pete Davidson movie, um, which I think is completely okay. Obviously, the story, um, it kind of, it, it was either written for or by Pete Davidson um, regarding, you know, somebody who lost their, who whose father was a firefighter and they lost their father. Um, that happened to Pete Davidson in real life. He lost his father in 9-11. Um, so, you know, obviously we haven't seen a Pete Davidson movie before, but it definitely didn't really feel like a Judd Apatow movie, at least to me. Um, you know, mostly Judd Apatow movies that I know, uh, Dr. O would quote unquote, call them laugh out loud, funny. Um, yep. something, something that he, he overuses just a tad bit. My hair once or twice. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, it, it, this movie had definitely a different tone to it um and honestly the laughs there was a couple good ones in there the drama it didn't really have me on the edge of my seat we kind of it it had one of those um you know as a lot of movies do nowadays it had that issue where i knew exactly what was going to happen in this movie um just from watching the trailer um, you know, I knew that he was going to just be this kind of bummy kind of guy that lived with his mom. His mom was going to start dating this guy. And then, and then they were actually going to end up somehow bonding with each other. He was going to end up helping out at the, at the firehouse. And he was either going to, at the end of the movie, figure his life out or figure his life out and join the fire f- and become a firefighter, which he clearly didn't do. Or maybe we don't know because the ending's a little ominous. Um, oh, I guess it's a spoiler free review. I shouldn't tell you that. You didn't say exactly it. what happened. You're good. <laughs> um, sequel? But, sequel? I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. But, you know, it, um, it, it just felt a little off the entire time. Uh, you know, the, the dialogue and, and I, I don't know. It just felt a little weird. Um, I personally, I enjoyed the movie. I don't know if I would watch it again. Because, I, I, you know, I liked it. Didn't love it. Um, but it was definitely worth watching, especially considering... Um, you know, that there's nothing new coming out uh, this year, at least right now, you know. So um, all in all, I'd say I enjoyed the movie. Um, but, you know. Zero percent uh, shot, I would buy this movie again. If, there, if, if the movie theaters were available and I had to watch this at home and I couldn't watch it in theaters, no shot I would have saw this movie. Oh, it's so expensive, too. Yeah, I mean, on for one day. Dollars, for yeah. one day, not Why even three we days. Start a, we started a podcast at the wrong time where we have to review this first thing. I know. Exactly. First things first, and we got to spend $20. Jesus. But, but no, we, it's fine. We, 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 we got to be honest. We watched it for Apatow. Like, like I wouldn't say – I don't mm-hmm. know about you guys. I know you guys – I think, Nez, you're actually a Pete Davidson stan, right? I wouldn't say stan, but, yeah, I, I definitely am a fan of Pete Davidson. I think he's uh, pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, he's a young, talented dude. But uh, and he does have an intriguing story. And uh, I think the people also were excited for this movie and wanted to see it, not because it just basically flooded all social media for two months, but mm-hmm. you had a story that everyone was already familiar with, with Pete Davidson's dad passing away during 9-11. And some, I listened to an interview with Apatow talking about this movie. Unfortunately, we couldn't get him on for the drive-in, but he- <laughs> He uh, he talked about the fact in the movie Apatow's dad. 
I'm not sorry. <laughs> Davidson's dad passes away in a hotel fire. But in the back of your mind, if you're an audience, if you're the audience, you know the entire time they're talking about 9/11. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't include the words 9/11 because everyone has like different ways that they cope with that situation. Then all of a sudden the focus goes from Davidson and his experience to 9-11 overall, then you got something much bigger than what he's going for. Yeah. So I thought that was genius, personally. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And, Nez, you mentioned earlier that in that this didn't really feel like an Apatow movie. And I agree with you, but I don't think we'll see a old-school Apatow movie again, if I'm being honest. So yeah. I'm, I'm assuming you're thinking of the laugh-out-loud funnies like the Anchormans and the ones that he's helped produce along the way, Knocked Up, super bad. Oh, yeah. But those aren't socially acceptable anymore, if we're going to be honest. What's the closest so one us. that we could think of to that? To what? To like the laugh, like the laugh fest from the early 2000, mid 2000s. The closest, What's the closest movie that was released? Like Good Boys, maybe? Oh, Good Still, Boys, yeah. that was yeah. kind of socially acceptable. I, enjoy, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed The Good Boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I did not see The Good Boys. I got to leave you guys for that one. But oh, I, really? It's pretty the- good. It's not, it's not amazing. Mm-hmm. I will not be watching it again. But that's like the old, those kind of comedies are gone now, which kind of sucks. Yeah, like look at Todd Phillips. He's making the Joker instead of the hangover. Like <laughs> he, he even he hangover said he can't make any comedies anymore because everyone will go up in arms about it. So I just think that like you'll see Trainwreck, very similar to another Apatow movie where it was mm-hmm. his story or his, he helped screenwrite, produce, and direct. And that one was about, um, uh, what's her name? Schumer. Schumer. Amy Schumer. Yeah, right. Schumer. And helping out her father, and that was the behind the story, the behind the the story behind the comedy and the dark comedy and the drama in it. So I think they're going to be seeing movies like the comedies such as Trainwreck and The King of Staten Island now, and not the laugh out loud, socially unacceptable or unacceptable, super bad. They have like is not. is the best non Judd Apatow comedy in the past ten years the Lego Movie. It might be. Oh wait, he did he produce that? No, non Jada oh, Patel oh, movie. Oh, okay. Or non-Jot maybe Jot. Thor Ragnarok. Like, I oh, don't Ragnarok know. was hilarious. Yeah. I think yeah. that's up there too. I think that was. A, I don't consider a, that a comedy though. You, you don't. Could, you could no, no. You could consider it a comedy, but I understand why you don't. Wow. But it's all right. If we're gonna say action for a superhero movie, an action movie or a comedy, what are you gonna go with? You know. I don't know. The Deadpool. Total, what are you gonna put in comedy like, or action? Thor is like so weird. I know we're getting a little off topic here, but Thor one and two. Then you do Ragnarok. Like Thor one and two is an action movie. Then you watch Ragnarok. It's like you're watching someone totally different. That's a comedy. Right. Not- eh. I don't think yeah. that. I, I understand as what a you're comedy. saying. I understand, but that just shows you though we're arguing over whether that's the best comedy. There are no more goddamn comedies other than animated movies. Sausage Party. When that come out? Oh, that was a good movie. I think it was like oh, 2016, 17. Sausage Party was wild. Sausage Party was great. That was yeah. Crazy. No, but I do. All right. But like to, to, to really circle back here to Ricky's <laughs> point, I do understand that we are in a 2020. It's a world that there, it's canceled culture everywhere. You have mm. to be extremely careful about what you say, um, you know, because there at any point people could be boycotting a movie because of any sort of insensitive remarks. Uh, it's something that is, is definitely hurt comedy as a whole. Um, but then at the on the other end, you do have people ignoring it altogether. So uh, Sticks and Stones came out last summer, Dave Chappelle, where he basically, you know, steps on every kind of set. He touched on every sensitive topic and he made it he made it funny, at least to some people or people that watched it. You know, a lot of people were very up in arms about that. But what 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 a lot of people's point was. It's comedy. It's not supposed to be taken seriously. Some people are, you know, and, and 
that was pretty much the entire point of the special. Um, you know, it's definitely going to be interesting to see uh, what happens in the future um, regarding comedies because of the culture that we have today. And honestly, it is actually it's pretty hard to come to to make and and come out with a comedy movie these days. It's, it's very hard to do. Right. Uh, there's maybe may, maybe one good one every year. Maybe. And like the the whole like I think we're gonna see all any type of comedy like this is gonna come on demand like a video on demand like it's gonna be on a streaming service. Those movies don't make money. Like maybe you had like you had star power Will Ferrell back in the day, but they don't just they don't crank out like the bottom line like these superhero movies. Like, I think that's what ha- kind of has killed those movies. If you look where these movies like stopped like making money, it's right where like Iron Man came out in 08. Right, you have these mm-hmm. other ones that are just like, like they're just like left behind. That's why you see like I posted a blog the other day, like Andy Samberg's Hulu comedy that's coming out. That's getting major buzz, hundred percent around tomatoes. By the way, that mm. will that would never like launch in theaters. Like it just th- doesn't have like the earning opportunity or gain. What's going on with what? What? When's Will Ferrell going to come out with another movie? Speaking of Will Ferrell, he just did this year. When's he coming out with a good movie? He yeah, sucks. that's the real question. He came out God with the downhill with uh, Julia Lee Dreyfus. He's pissing good. me off. He's basically Sandler, dude. He's like Sandler now. But Sandler, everyone knows Sandler. That's him. You know, this is Will Ferrell. Like, Will Ferrell. He's just arguably, starting to do this. He's like his movies recently been like arguably worse. Like, I he started with Get it. Hard in 2016. Yeah, and the thing is, Will Ferrell's never going to take a turn for like serious acting at all. He's I would love to see him serious acting. He was great in Stranger Than Fiction. Yeah, it would be unbelievable and more serious acting as he's getting older. It's really hard. It's a really hard pivot to make. It is. You know, Jim Carrey. He can do it. He 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 attempted that. I mean, the number twenty three. I don't know if anybody ever saw that. It does horror movie, right? Yeah, it was like a weird. I, I never saw it, so I just know in middle school people yeah. were really freaked out. It's like, oh my god, this adds up to twenty three. The movie, and I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, I, I, I don't know, dude. I don't know what to tell he you. He was in um Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind, which oh. is a great one. Oh, I enjoyed that movie, but that's Room kind of show. a comedy too, though. Like, yeah, 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 mm-hmm. but it's just still more of a dramatic turn. And like, yeah, no, for sure. It shows the same thing, comedy, but at the same time, it's like also. <laughs> Wait, no, I think right. I had those two confused. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Turtle Sunshine is not very funny. There are funny okay. scenes. There okay, are you, funny guys, yeah. you guys are both like, yeah. And I'm like, no, I don't think I've seen that. I don't think I've seen that movie. I've no, seen, that's definitely you know, a dramatic turn for sure. I've seen Truman Show, and Truman Show is kind of a comedy. Yeah. Um, I've never seen Eternal Sunshine. <laughs> so I'm sorry if that is a very serious movie. I called it a comedy. My the bottom line is Will Ferrell needs to step his shit up. He needs to step it up. He's pissing me off right now. I don't think he has I to do anything. Do something funny. If you're not gonna do something funny, do something like Sandler. I'll cut gems. Just blow my socks off. He, we need. We need another. Watch. We need another Apatow and and Farrell, Will Ferrell movie. That's what we need. Just don't make it Anchorman three, and I'll be all set. Fair enough. Fair enough. That makes sense. Um, speak of the devil. Let's move on um, to top billing. This is another brand new and debut segment here. We are going to go over. Our personal top five every week. And this week's top five or top billing as what we would call it in the podcast. We're doing the top five Judd Apatow movies. And um, let's bang this out real quick, guys. But um, I, I guess I'll start with my five. Everybody goes five, 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 four, 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 three, 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 two, 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 one, 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 and so on. Actually, not and so on. That's pretty much it. 
Um, I think so, we should start with a disclaimer here, Nez, here, actually. I think that we need to say a Judd Apatow movie. So we're going to say some movies that he didn't actually direct or completely write himself. We're going, to see, we're going to say some movies that he was a writer or a contributor, mainly producer. And he started executive like... Executive produce doesn't count. And Yeah, not executive produce, but producer. And if like executive producer, like you help with legal issues, accounting, you help finance the project, the movie, and a lot of the behind the scenes. Producer, you're involved in the day-to-day production of the movie, more granular in the details. And Judd Apatow, he's like the super producer. He's the one where he has an author- authoritative role. And like, sure, you have your director, but he's right next to the, the director tapping him on the shoulder saying like, hey, change this. He's literally in the works. So when he produces a movie, mainly the non-Adam McKay ones, those are the ones where that's, like, that's a Judd Apatow movie. So I just wanted to clarify that. And I know that we're going to be say- saying some movies he didn't necessarily direct or write, but just know that after around like, oh, right around after Anchorman came out and then 40 Old Virgin came out with his own movie, the, every single comedy wanted Judd Apatow's name on the, on yeah, the list. He's a common denominator. Let's get to the damn list. All right. I just wanted to All say right. a disclaimer. You, no, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair enough. So here we are with our top five Judd Apatow movies. Uh, I, will, I will go ahead and start this uh, segment here with one of my favorite and um, kind of a I, – I think it's a, it's a cult classic movie. Eh, not, not a cult classic um, maybe for some people, but it's a it's a good cult movie. Uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Um, that's I think it's hilarious. I think uh, is it Jason Siegel. I really struggle with actor names. Okay, I nailed that one. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think he's great in the movie. Mila Kunis is great. Um, Russell Brand. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've, got yeah. It. Um, it. he's. He's absolutely hilarious in that movie. Um, that's an actor that we really saw kind of a rise and fall from. Um, but I think it's one of the most hilarious movies I've ever seen. It's extremely quotable, and you'll find that is a common denominator when it comes to my list in pretty much all comedies. In almost movies in general, actually. Quotable movies tend to be, best, you know, some of the best movies. Um, but yeah, number five for me, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Number five for me. I had uh, an initial list. I've made a couple adjustments, but at number five, I also have Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to go over my honorable mentions. This might be a shock to, to uh, Nez and Flicks on here, but I agree with uh, Nez completely. Russell Brand coming out party. Mila Kunis coming out party. First time Jason Siegel really got a lead role in a movie, and he absolutely murders it, right? His type of like acting and his comedic timing in that movie is kind of different than most other lead actors sort of awkward uh but hilarious at the same time uh favorite scene has got to be the dinner scene where Kristen bell russell brand mila kunis and siegel go to dinner like at the, and they have that like little hula thing and then the, the, the shirt with the spill on the shirt and he's like russell brand's talking about oh the, the spill actually makes it look better no you know what I'm talking about? Take my eyes, not the <laughs> shirt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've actually improved the shirt, right? <laughs> I thought that part was money. Jonah Hill, hilarious, very small part. But, right. has, but it also leads to Get Him to the Greek, which is kind of a subpar movie, obviously, compared to that one, in mm-hmm. my opinion, at least. But, uh, yes, Sarah Marshall, five. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you talked about uh, Jonah Hill there. Don't forget about Paul Rudd, also hilarious in that movie. Oh, kudu. 
Mm-hmm. Bill Hader, though. Bill Hader, also. Bill Hader, also, also great, great in that movie. In that. They've, oh, all, all the Apatow movies typically have a very similar cast, mm-hmm. at least for his best ones. And um, they're all great. They're all amazing. So uh, without further ado, Ricky Flick, let me hear your fifth best Judd Apatow movie. The fifth best Judd Apatow movie. Step Brothers. Step Brothers, oh number five. For Ricky Flicks. What do you I think doing? this is the easily the best comedic duo of all time in any comedy movie. John C. Riley, Will Ferrell. I think that says enough. You don't need to look at Holmes and Watson. Forget that movie. Never see it. Never see it if you haven't seen it. But watch this movie, most quotable movie of probably the past ten years. And I think that people really forget that this movie even though Adam McKay wrote this movie, this was like the final stage of this, what I was saying earlier in the King of Staten Island review where socially acceptable. And this was like the final stage of that. And I think that this kind of just hits home for me. Number five of Judd Apatow movies. Are you Step kidding Brothers. me? That's like one of the, it's like one of the best comedies of all time. Step by number five. five. This is oh the most quotable God. movie, like comedy it, of all time. That is, Arguable. yeah. Yeah. Arguably. Oh my God, that'd be on anybody's list of the top five comedies of all time, and you have it at fifth Judd Apatow movie of all time? <laughs> Maybe these are the top five comedy movies oh of all time. Oh my God, that's, that's Judd not, Apatow ooh, is. I don't know if you, I don't if, know. If I was like, if, if I was in high school making this list, it would easily be number one. It wouldn't even be close. It's crazy. That's it, crazy. It would be. All right, moving on here. Uh, number four, best Judd Apatow movie. And this, this one was a little tough um, because it's common denominator here extremely quotable a uh, pineapple express um it is a h- absolutely hilarious movie with a great story that's very um you know i'd say unusual and i i think that's that's very common for judd apatow movies where uh the storyline like the actual plot is very um something that you don't really see very often um and you know you'll see it with all of his movies um and even um you know even King of Staten Island is the same way. Uh, Pineapple Express is absolutely hilarious. It's laugh out loud funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm never going to stop teasing uh, about that. Um, but no, yeah, it's, a, it's number four on my list, and uh, I think rightfully so. I love that pick. Didn't make my top five, unfortunately, but that's oh not God. a diss to the movie. Terrible. That's basically our generation's Cheech and Chong. Like, it's 420 <laughs> – movie people to like tune into mm, it's yeah. pineapple express like it's an absolute classic now a cult classic it's just a classic that everyone has seen and also the chemistry between rogan and Fra- and uh, james franco in that movie it almost doesn't get better amazing yeah and danny mcbride sprinkling a little bit there like it, it's an incredible movie good pick uh my number four I talked, I just raved about this movie so hard. And if I was in high school, I would have ranked it number one, but it's Step Brothers. Okay. That's my number four. Jeez. Uh, a lot of the same reasons. Flicks just uh, sp- spread across the board. Abs- uh, speaking of great co- comedic duos, John C. Riley, Will Farrell, once again, ignore Holmes and Watson. But uh, that's my number four, uh, Step Brothers. All right. All right. My number four just was talked about Pineapple Express. I also think Craig Robinson was great in this role. I won't elaborate too much further on this, but I just think such an unusual story that really only a creative mind could think of. And I think that James Franco and Seth Rogen executed uh, the plan 
perfectly in this movie for this such an unusual story. So my number four, Pineapple Express. I want to see that sequel, by the way, that they teased, and this is the end. Still, <laughs> still waiting on that. I, I think they should actually. Like, I, I was actually thinking about that before you even said it. I think that they should come out with a, a sequel to Pineapple Express. I think it would be, be well accepted, mm-hmm. well received. There we go. We'll write this. Um, Flix will write the script. All right. So number three, as much as I as as much as I've given you guys flack for you know stepbrothers being so disrespected by the both of you, I have it as number three. Um, it's one of the most quotable movies of all time. It's one of the funniest movies of all time. It's one of the most rewatchable movies of all time. Prestige world worldwide. I don't know how many of those shirts have sold across you know the entire world. It's actually worldwide. Who would have thought? Um, it's, it's one of my favorite movies to watch whenever I pass by on like TNT or anything like that. Uh, I'm going to watch it for a couple minutes. I'm going to laugh every single time. Um, it really is a movie that just doesn't miss. And it's one of the greatest comedies of all time. Uh, you brought up prestige worldwide. Did in high school or in college, did anybody like, did you have anybody in your class start off a PowerPoint or a slideshow and it said prestige worldwide is the first thing that was me. Did, <laughs> I did I've security, seen it before. Security. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it before. Of course. <laughs> okay. So I had a professor uh, at, uh, in college who I knew when I was a kid and I had a buddy in the class and we were like, my buddy, like we grew up together and we both knew the professor and we had to do this final project. We had to present in like in front of a seminar class of like, I would say it was at 50 to 75 people. And we did the same thing. It's such a class. You just put the prestige worldwide plastered up there. You get a couple laughs, but then you, then you get like most people saying like, look at these idiots. But uh, I just had to bring that up just because it was a good memory from college. Uh, my number three uh, is kind of the movie I think of other than my number one, when I, when it comes to Apatow movies and it's 40 year old virgin. Okay. Put Steve, uh, put Steve Carell on the map. Uh, we mentioned one of the great ensemble casts from Apatow. I mean, I could, I, I'm not going to list every like funny scene, but obviously what comes to mind with 40 year old virgin is the part where he's talking about boobs and how they feel. And they feel like bags of sand. It's just that, like, like no, who thinks of writing something like that. And then the awkwardness of Carell saying it is hilarious. Uh, obviously the waxing scene, it's just multiple laugh out loud, funny moments. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so that I that's what I think of, and they it, Steve Carell became an absolute stud after that movie, so I got to put yeah. it on there. That's right? a great. That's a great movie. It just missed the top, you know, top five on my list. Um, I'd say my favorite, for some reason, I think my favorite uh scene from that movie is when um you know they, he's going to have sex with that woman, and um the daughter comes in and the. And he basically couldn't get the condom on. So there's like 10 condoms on the ground <laughs> and the daughter's like, how many times do you guys do it? Like I lose it every time because I just like, I don't know. Like I put myself in that position in either way. Like I just think about like how awkward that would be in real life and I stomach it and I'm like, holy crap, that's ridiculous. So um, you could say that about a lot of situations in that movie though. It's, it's amazing. Uh, his manager, uh, the, the woman from Glee, whose name escapes me, Um, she is hilarious in that movie like maybe she might be the second funniest person in that movie hot take she's up there i think paul rudd's awesome paul rudd Rudd's great paul rudd's great seth rogan's great but her story about the pool boy oh my god when she starts singing hilarious (laughs) yeah and going going to my number three mine's also the 40 year old virgin i think the same thing as dr o but i also wanted to point out kevin hart in that movie (laughs) 
I thought he was hilarious as well. And the reason why this is above for Step Brothers for me personally is that I just think this was a better put together story. I really think that Step Brothers was all chaotic and all over the place. It had a lot more one line, arguably actually more one liners. And Will Ferrell and John C. Riley's duo uh, partnership in that movie is so much more known and iconic. But this Mm -hmm. one was just a more well put together movie. And that's why it's my number three ahead of the previous two. And when you say that, uh, flicks what i think of is like the exact comment i made earlier like stepbrothers i was in high school it's number one but like the more i watch movies the more and like we have a movie podcast now mm. where you're just like we think more about that stuff like the storyline like i can give a crap about that in the ninth grade i just wanted to laugh my ass off right. so mm-hmm. that's why i'm just like okay i think this movie is no, like my number three so yeah it's a great point interesting your lists are wrong but it's okay can I just pause the podcast for a second just to ask, why the hell do we have tweet notifications for David Spade? Yeah, oh, yeah. so and James Gunn. I mean, yeah. I mean, James Gunn makes more sense, but David Spade? Well, what the they, heck? So, like, it's like, I was trying to find actors and directors and such that tweet a lot and consistently every day, and not many do. And those are like, the, I looked at like 80, and the ones that we have tweet every day. David goddamn Spade. I'm, all right. That's a bad all right. Look that's fine. Us. That's a that's bad fine. look. If we only follow a couple, the one we follow is David Spade. That's from now look. on, from now on, this this podcast fully supports David Spade and every work, piece of work that he's ever do, come out with ever. Do we follow Seth Rogen? Yeah, that's fine. Anyways, let me let me continue here. Yeah, go ahead. Number two, right? The number two Judd Apatow movie on my top five list would have to be Super Bad one of the all-time funniest movies or greatest comedies of all time. Uh, great story, multiple layers of storytelling in terms of there's multiple stories going on um, between Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah. Um, you know, there's just, oh, McLovin, of course. Um, you know, there's just a lot of different things going on, a lot of hilarious stuff. Um, very timely as well, um, I believe. What, when did this movie come out? Were we in high school at the time? Seven. Oh seven. So no, we were in, in, you know, finishing up middle school, but you know, it's, it's one of those like high school coming of age movies. And when you're watching that while you're, you know, while you are kind of coming of age, it, it is, it, it hits harder when you watch the movie dazed and confused while you're in high school and a senior in high school. That's what, that's when I watched it. It was on Netflix. I watched the movie dazed and confused when I was a senior in high school. It's about seniors in high school. I, I watched it like 10 times that summer. I was, obsessed with, I was obsessed with that movie because I was like, I connect with this. So when it comes to Superbad and Superbad coming out while I was, I think, entering high school at the time, uh, I, I connected with the movie um, and the idea of it. I thought it was, uh, and also, I mean, it's hilarious. It, it's, it's absolutely flat out hilarious, extremely quotable. Um, and my number two Judd Apatow movie of all time. Great pick. All right, I'll give you a, a little spoiler that it does make my list, but it's not my number two. My number two is Anchorman, all right? Uh, you, I feel like you can't go wrong with that one or two point. I don't know what Flix has in store for us. He's going to throw another surprise out there. But Anchorman is, like, I would say even more quotable than Step Brothers. why I had to put it on the list, why I had to put it so high. And uh, it was basically introduction to a bunch of these actors that we talk about today, and that really made that era. It's like, you have – Farrell, obviously, in his most like iconic role as Burgundy. And you have Steve Carell, even before, a year before, 40-Year-Old Virgin as Brick Tamlin. You got Paul Rudd, David Kakner, who's obviously not on the same level, but it's 
it's a great cast and it's and I would say it's more quotable. And a lot of times, if a movie's so quotable, it's usually hilarious. It's usually the pattern that it falls into. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Anchorman, number two. All right. Great pick. And in the right spot, because my number two is also Anchorman. I, now, my previous argument with 40-year-old version, why it was better than Pineapple Express and Step Brothers, was that it's a more well-put-together movie and story. Anchorman, I don't necessarily agree with that for my number three. But I think that it's just so much, so iconic and generational that it transformed comedy at the beginning of the 2000s and it allowed for everything to jump off from it and also has the probably the most iconic com- comedic character of all time with Ron Burgundy. That really set the path for me in this on, on, for this list and why it's my number two. What we could have done is like also, like you're dead on with like the Burgundy comment, like one of the best characters. We could have done like top five uh, Apatow characters in, movie, in, in his movie. Yes. Like that would have been a oh yeah oh wow uh, top billing. This would be. Want to re-record the podcast or what? (laughs) Yeah, take it for the top. The anchor that would have been great though. This would have been his easily number one though. An anchor. Let me think here. No, McLovin. I love Seth and Superbad. Like Seth and Superbad's up there. Mm Yeah. Um. Actually, yeah, that'd be tough. Kunu, can't nothing. (laughs) Kunu. It's hard to be hard to be kudu. No, that's definitely Maybe it would be tougher than I'm um, And I, I just want to say, guys, you guys both had Anchorman as your number two. Great pick. Wrong spot. Number one <laughs> on my list, Anchorman, the most quotable movie of all time. Um, I, I don't know if I already said that about Step Brothers, but if I did, I was lying because in hindsight, I got to think about it. Anchorman is absolutely the most quotable. It's the most quotable movie of all time in general. I mean, it's it's hilarious. Um it's extremely random. It's very weird. It, and I honestly, I love Judd Apatow. I think it's amazing. He did great with, with writing it. But also, there are a lot of improvised, there's a lot of improvised dialogue in there from Will Ferrell that absolutely kills it. I mean, he absolutely kills this role. Uh, it, it's, it's hilarious. It's, it's my favorite comedy um, and my favorite Judd Apatow movie. It's, I, I, I love it. Uh, Anchorman, number one for me. Always. You, you know the Only for you. You know the staying power of Ron Burgundy? He has a show. He has a, his own radio show. And he, yeah. Will Ferrell has okay. it as Ron Burgundy. That movie came out 16 years ago. <laughs> I it actually didn't know that that was a thing. Power. He like will go to arena. I know he Will Ferrell is known for introducing players for different like NBA, NFL, not NFL, but MLB teams. And he, a lot of times he does it in the character of Ron Burgundy. Oh, yeah. Like, like he's just too electric as the character. Like I agree. It would have been number one on any Apatow character list for sure. Okay. All right. Did did you guys give your number one yet? I don't think. Uh, you have. No, but uh, it's already been said. A little talk. It's been discussed previously by Nez, but uh, super bad. Hundred uh, percent. The reason I had it over Anchorman is that I find Anchorman less rewatchable than Super Bad. Just because if I watch Anchorman, I'm basically quoting along with it. Super Bad. I'm more waiting for the moments that happen in the movie, and then also just talking about how good the movie is. Like I mentioned Seth from Superbad, but I didn't even bring up McLovin. McLovin is arguably number two on the list mm. of Apatow characters. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, so awesome. So I, when I was um, on my last day at work the other day, uh, I'm not going to say my profession, but very professional job. You show up to your work, all right? You have a button-down shirt. Last day of work, it's just like to sign off uh, 
for the year. And this guy who I work with is in his mid forties, shows up with a McLovin shirt on and it says, <laughs> I am McLovin in <laughs> rainbow. And I was like, and I'm, I was just cracking up because this guy's in his mid forties. Usually I'm the person that you're going to expect to wear that shirt. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I absolutely, I, I dapped him up and I said that this is incredible. Thank you for, thank you for your service. But, um, <laughs> I had, I had to put super bat number one, super rewatchable Michael Sarah. Also, I don't think gets, he gets a bad rap this, in this movie. He was so good. A lot mm -hmm. of people say like, think he's a wimp, think he's typecast and everything. Like if you watch this movie, you will laugh so hard at Michael Sarah alone. Super bad. I'm actually a huge Michael Sarah fan. Fan. I don't know. I don't know why. I, I Shout love out Michael Scott Sarah. Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim. Don't get me started on Scott Pilgrim. We'll talk about <laughs> Scott Pilgrim another time. We should have oh a, a team God. review. That's Drive one of my. Review. That's that's like a top ten movie in my like personal. Yeah. Wow. I love that movie. That's a wow. movie. I know Flix. Flix is not a massive fan of it. He's not, not a massive fan of it. Yeah. Well, Flix is usually wrong about stuff. So yeah. Not this stuff. But my number one is also super bad. It's he's not. He's be. not wrong about his number one though. Oh, super bad uh, should be everybody's number one. And I won't go too much into more detail about it after the previous two. I said it, but I also just want to say that this movie, like all of these movies, you could somehow relate to. Like every good movie, somehow you has to relate to the audience, right? Super bad. Comedies are for the everyman. Yeah. But super bad relates to the audience and everybody in every single way whether you were the nerd in high school like any facet you were any personality you were you all understood what the characters were going through completely come on Rick. And, you couldn't do that with stepbrothers and and i also just wanted to say bill Hader and seth rogan best supporting storyline in any comedy of all time mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. mclovin coming into the frame uh and coming into his own character with those two Best side storyline and the way they converge at the end is with the main storyline is unbelievable and super bad, deservingly number one and should be number one. Yeah, they're great. Um, you know, I'll give it to you guys. I mean, it was my number two. Um, I guess it just came down to personal preference there. Um, but all these iconic duos, just I want to make one more point. Get, uh -huh. Who's the common denominator in all these iconic duos? What actor? Rogan. Rogan, right? Rogan. Oh. He's, yeah. he's electric in everything he does. Yeah. Also, Will Ferrell. Yeah, I was thinking. You guys remember Ferrell. Phil Werrell? That was like the first like funny, like very popular Twitter oh, yeah. account. Is that, this was a, that was weird. And that was definitely not Will Ferrell. That was just a guy. I bet you what happened Turner. with a lot Turner. of those things is they got purchased by, you know, they, get, they built up all this like credibility and then they got purchased by some entity for like advertising. And I don't know. I, don't I never even followed it. It would just pop up on my feed. Phil Werrell. I used to follow Chill Vibe tweets or something like that too. Uh, I had to unfollow that because that got purchased and they were that was just all advertising. So now I follow the drive-in pod. I love to see my following at, history on Twitter. I follow the drive-in pod at the drive-in pod on Twitter and uh, underscore the drive-in pod on Instagram, YouTube, the drive-in pod. Check us out. Um, guys, that's going to wrap up the first ever episode. Everybody give ourselves a hand. Okay, just me. Um, it was a pleasure. Please, please, please like and subscribe. Follow us on everything that I just listed at the drive-in pod. Um, and we'll see, see you guys next week. Smell ya.